The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. The next thing we know, the tree line, the woods behind my grandmother's house, start glowing red like there's this fire or something going on. And this craft emerges above the tree line and kind of floats silently and slowly towards us. It ain't no mirage, it's alien sabotage. NASA's getting aggressive, bro. KG KGB, plus two new segments, Monster Mail, all that and more tonight on Monsterland. Welcome to a wicked mystery. A paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland Podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts. Paranormal author, researcher, and speaker, Ronnie LeBlanc. And the host of The Curse of Oak Island Drilling Down on the History Channel, Maddie Blake. Monsters, welcome to another episode, season two of Monsterland. I'm Maddie Blake. With me, my co-host and friend Ronnie LeBlanc. What's up, brother? How are you? Excellent. How are you? Well, I'm a little freaked out. Yes. Because <clears throat> as happened in season one, we had some weird stuff happen in relation to an interview. It it started before I even left the house, dude. I literally plugged in our producer Dave's address to the Dave Den, and it was throwing me Dave off. Kate, the Ronnie, Dave, it's the Dave Kate, Dave please. Kate. Sorry. <laughs> it was throwing me off, and I was trying to meet you, you know, before, do a little pre, right. and then uh, it was sending me that I was there. My whole, like, literally was throwing me off for, like, six directions. I, I was flipping me out. Well, let me explain. So, Mike, our guest, we opened a Pandora's box last week by having kind of our first Monsterland witness. Right. On the show, and now um, people are, I think, starting to come forward, more willing to come forward. And Mike uh, is an abductee. He he believes he's been abducted by aliens. He's in New England, right near Monsterland in in southern New Hampshire, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, New Hampshire, oh my god, is a History. hotbed. Oh my god, hotbed of of both UFO sightings, Bigfoot encounters, and abductions specifically. Right. But Ronnie had all kinds of trouble. You had all kinds of trouble getting to me tonight. Your your GPS thing was going crazy. We finally meet up. We're like an hour late. I throw in in my Waze app, which has never failed me once. And Ronnie's telling me about how his GPS is all messed up and it's not getting him here. I put in to go to Dave's house where we're recording this, and I hit Dave's house, and all of a sudden it just it just changed and was bringing me home and it says um, we're five minutes from dave's house where we were right. and all of a sudden it says one hour and it's having me go straight i go what is going on after ronnie had just told me that so we arrive at dave's and i said to dave uh we're gonna have technical problems tonight. right i i literally yeah, i go i could just it. feel it i go you whoever's whoever's whoever our guest is involved with I, I mean, and he, he'll describe in the interview, some of them are, are benevolent, but there might be some benevolent forces. I said, someone in his cachet of aliens doesn't want us to do this interview. Mm-hmm. And for the first time ever, we start Zencaster, and, well, you're going to hear what happens. So um, that's weird. But then we got him on the phone, and everything was fine. 
but again, just add it to the list of high strangeness here at Munchland. It was weird. Um, abduction, Ronnie. Of all the things we've talked about in this podcast thus far, we haven't spent a lot of time getting into the abduction. Yeah, and it's the phenomenon. scariest part of all it is. Of this. It, it, it can be when you think about being taken. And it's also perhaps one of the most controversial because a lot of people, psychologists, psychiatrists, sure. think that this is trauma. That is manifesting itself through some sort of vision. It's just solely within the mind. It's not really happening. It's not something that's taking place. It's just... And I would say, I'll be honest, in listening to (laughs) everything that we listen to, you and I, in this journey of researching this stuff, I'm about 85% of the time, I agree. When I hear abductees tell their stories, Mm. I'm like, Uncle Johnny might have diddled them. And this is some sort of, you know what I mean? Like that's and, where you go. And well, no, because a lot of it is very, you know. Uh, ah! Jeez. Well, I mean, you look at a case like Doctor uh, Tittle. Well, who is the guy? Who, um, David Huggins, the guy who draw. He does paintings. And he, yeah. he said he had sex with aliens. The guy who bangs aliens all the time. And, and it's just kind of weird. There's this weird pseudo-sexual thing a lot of the times yeah, with yeah, them. Yeah. There's also um, probably. It could be any form of abuse or any form of psychological trauma, mm-hmm. whether you were a product of, a, of an abusive household or just neglected right. or felt misunderstood or alone. You go to sleep at night. Maybe you've got night terrors. That all kind of it's a stew. However, that being said, mm-hmm. there are a percentage of abduct- abduction witnesses that are so compelling and don't have any of that in their past. And, and not to say that you could have that in your past and still truly be abducted. Right. Absolutely, I believe yeah. that. But you know what I'm saying. Some sure. of the cases get a little wild. Oh, yeah. And in a game we're going to play a little later, uh, uh, sometimes they, things escalate very quickly. <laughs> you know, you hear them, you're with them, you're with them, you're with them, you're with them. And it's like, and then they brought me into this room, yeah, and they all got naked. That escalated quickly. Yeah, and you're like, whoa, wait a second here, wait a second. I thought we were talking about E.T. showing you the secrets of the cosmos. I didn't know we were in a uh, swinger's den. <laughs> That all being said, um, hi mom. When a when a guest like Mike uh, <laughs> comes into your life, uh, it's super compelling because. Uh, and I've known Mike for man uh, at least six years now. I've known Mike. Right, great guy. But you know, when you meet him, he he's he's something special in the sense yeah. that he's had experiences. His the energy radiates off of him. Yeah. And he's he's a compelling compelling yeah. witness. And and it's and it's guys like this that really move the needle for me in terms of the abduction phenomenon, um, because they're just credible. They're 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 sober about how they right. go about it, um, and and. It's undeniable to me when you look when you when you hear these stories, and as we always say, as our new tagline basically says, uh, we ain't saying what it is, but we're saying it's something. We don't know what's going on, but it's something. Right. And so, without any further ado, let's play them a little bit of what happened yeah. when we try to do can this interview, do David. Yeah, and and so you can hear that we aren't making this up. See if I mean, you can hear that. There's a weird cycling sound that comes through, but you hear this voice on top of it, kind of mechanical, and it's. I'm telling you, it's creepy. And again, <laughs> never had a problem with Zencaster like this no. until <clears throat> we had an abductee on. Who was the author we had on? We had some weird sounds. Uh, Weatherly. David Dave Weatherly. Weatherly. That was another one, but not but not like this. No. I, I don't no. think it was like this. No, no, no. no. We, not something that was just... Because we eventually got him and we figured it out. Right. 
And Dr. Lin Kitai, there were some weird sounds every Correct. once in a while. Yeah, I was just thinking that too. Yeah. Yeah, there was something that... But everything got sorted out. This right. we could not fix. No. And we, we tried had, it a couple times. We tried it a bunch of times. And Dave will play just a little bit of what was really minutes and minutes and minutes of us trying to fix this thing. <laughs> and we eventually just went to the old cell phone. But you called it. I you literally said, you literally we're going to have serious interference with this one. I could just feel it. They didn't... Someone... Didn't want us to do this. Didn't want us to do this. Didn't want him to tell the story. Mm-mm. But he did. And this is Monsterland, and nobody can stop us. Mike, you have UFOs over there? What did we just say? What is this? Just to let this you know, Marceline, that we said this is an abductee case and there's going to be weird stuff going I did said to you we're going to have technical problems tonight. Mm-hmm. Listen to that. Mike, hello? Hello. Oh. This is ridiculous. Mike, there's a crazy, I don't know if you can hear yeah. it on your end, but there's a crazy wave form kind of coming through that gets louder and fades out and you can hear a little voice in it. If you are the ones abducting Mike and don't want us to do this interview, please give us a break so we can do this interview and stop the interference. I'm literally freaked out right now. What's the first thing I said to you, David? Hello. Mikey. Mike, welcome to Monsterland. Well, thanks for having me. I sure you want to do this now. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I, if I don't do it, who's going to? So, That's right. Mike, I was just setting up this interview and, and telling the unbelievable story of how we got here tonight and all the interference going on. And then I literally said to David, and you guys will be my witness, David, our producer, and Ronnie, my partner, we're walking up the stairs. And I said, we're going to have electrical interference tonight for the first time. We're going to have technical problems right. because someone doesn't want us doing this interview. And for the first time, we use Zencaster. We've never had a problem like this. And Mike, our first abductee, you come on, and it sounded literally like if you were, if I were going to cast what it would sound like in a movie scene for Seriously? aliens to interfere with a call, it, it would have sounded exactly what just shit. happened. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, like I could hear you guys. Semi okay at first, and yeah. then it sounded like you guys were underwater or something. It, it was but. it was cycling in like this weird sound that was coming and getting louder, and they would fade out. But then you'd hear this voice, kind of electronic voice, along with it. I was like, "What is going on?" We could hear you kind of like talking through it, but well, it was. <laughs> let's let's start at the end then, Mike. Before we get into the yeah, well, word of advice: you're ever going to do anything else with an abductee, you bring extra batteries, extra cameras, <laughs> extra, you know. Well, that's, yeah. that's and we don't wanna... plan it. We just call you off the cuff. We're doing an interview now. That's 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 what I want to ask you is is that um, before we get into the specifics and and your experience and how it all started, has it been largely or at all negative? And have things like this happened to you in the past? Um, well, those are two drastically uh, different questions. <laughs> so I'll do my best to answer both. True. Uh, electrical problems? Yes. Like if I'm in a bad mood, if I'm mad, sad, angry. Yeah, like cars don't work. It's it goes beyond cell phones, computers. You know, like your car just decides the electrical system and it won't work anymore. And that's not just me. That's common with abductees, experiencers. But do I judge the experiences negative or not? I've had some negative experiences, but I think that's my perception. I think the overall, if you look at the big picture, I think it's for a bigger, better cause. Sure. So, Mike, let's. Then let's go to the beginning. Um, you claim that you have been abducted by aliens. Um, how did it all start? 
well, the first time I remember, I was about three years old. Uh, we were oh. at my grandmother's house. There was some type of family function. You know, the whole family's there, aunts, uncles, the whole deal. And I walked by the dining room, which had a sun porch off it, which overlooked the backyard. And as soon as I walked by it, there was this overwhelming calling to get outside. Um, I don't remember how I got outside, but the next thing I know, I found myself in the driveway and my cousin, who's about six months older than I am, was outside with me. And we're both kind of standing in the driveway for no apparent reason. The next thing we know, the tree line, the woods behind my grandmother's house, start glowing red like there's this fire or something going on. And this craft emerges above the tree line and kind of float silently and slowly towards us and parks itself next to a large tree that has swing at it at the end of my grandmother's driveway. Whoa. And <sighs> how old are you again? Uh, about three years old. Good Lord. So and- what, what year would this be, Mike? Oh, I got to give away all my beauty <laughs> secrets. Uh, <laughs> that'd be about 1983. <laughs> 82 and and this is up in new hampshire yeah and now and would this be uh, in the same vicinity as the betty and barney hill incident no it's okay. a lot closer to people who are familiar with and within the state's history at least uh the exeter incident oh okay yeah wow wow oh my gosh so that's where it starts and well that's the first time i remember i did mm. end up having there's a little bit more to it that i remember from that actual incident but i did end up having regression for that incident years later and when i did the regression during that incident there was a familiarity it is first time i remember but it seems fairly likely that uh there were times before but you know we don't really carry memories usually from that age right right did your cousin i think you said it was did he or she have later abductions do they remember that incident also um so growing up, we always had, we never really got into it. We always had the surface conversation of, hey, you remember the UFO we saw? And it was always like, yeah, and we moved on and we played and we did whatever. Um, so it was about the time I had uh, regression. And I, you know, I, I was starting to really come to terms with all this and digging for facts. And I called her up one night and I asked her and she's like, I don't have a clue about what you're talking about this is what I remember. And she told me of another incident, which I remembered once she started telling me, but I had totally forgotten Hmm. until that point. And it was at the same place. It was at my grandmother's house. And she had this big farmer's porch, which was, you know, just a treasure trove for, it was basically storage for my grandmother. So it was tons of stuff for us kids to get into. And we were out there playing one night and overlooking the neighbor's lawn, this red light came into the sky. And, you know, for lack of a better term, this thing was dancing. It was making figure eights. It was, it was not moving like a plane, an aircraft or anything, you know, that I can think of to this day, Never mind at that age. And that's what she always remembered. But somehow there's a weird time gap where we talked about this our whole lives in the surface level, but never remembered the same thing. And at what point in your life, Mike, did you make the 
connection or have the first experience as this is an abduction by aliens. I'm being taken into an mm. alien craft. Like when did that come into your consciousness? Um, I want to say it was about around the age of 12. Um, wow. my, my grandfather was separated from my grandmother and he lived in New Jersey. So we used to make a trip down at least every summer, if not more to go see him. He was really big on us kids reading. Uh, so, you know, when we went to see him, a trip to the bookstore was in hand and Bud Hopkins intruders had just come out Oh wow! and it was, and I, I saw the cover, it was above my reading level. And mm. I'm like, I, I gotta have this book. I don't know why it was I gotta like mag- have this book. magnetic, right? Yeah. And he's staring at me, rolling his eyes at the counter. Like that's really the book you want. And then, <laughs> you know to find out after he had passed, he had had a major collection of Roswell books. Like he had this huge, huge interest in the subject, but kind of like gave me that crap in the bookstore. So that's how strong it is. That's how strong the, and it happened at his house. Right. First experience. So this goes back in time in your family, your cousin, your grandfather has your, did your grandmother ever tell you any type of stories or any kind of, memories no um not so much for my grandmother uh we, we grew up in one of those households where ghost stories are fine nobody talked about aliens ufos that right. was, you know um but actually my grandmother's brother uh was kicked out of a private school up here in new hampshire brewster academy in the mid to late 60s um for claiming he was abducted by aliens Wow. Uh, the school said it was drugs or um, mental illness. Either way, they weren't equipped to handle it, so they expelled them. So give me, if you can, kind of a typical, if there is a typical one, uh, experience with these. Well, let's, let's talk about the beings themselves. Are these mm-hmm. the traditional grays? How do you see them? I've had experience with several different types, so it's it's kind of hard to say. Everybody's opinion of what a typical abduction is, I think it's very personalized. I mean, there is a lot of overlap, but um, speaking for myself, like the early ones at the age of three when the craft came out, that seemed very abduction-y. The yard we saw the red light dancing over was still family land. We ended up living there um, up until I was in third grade, and I had a series of encounters there that were not abduction at all. It was very much a teaching atmosphere, and this mm. lasted for about the course of nine months with what, you know, appeared to be like what we call our typical grays, but they were a little bit taller, a little bit whiter, you know, down to I've, I've seen weird creatures that I couldn't say it was an alien, but it seemed really related. So, I mean, I've kind of run the gamut through my life, so it... I don't know that there is a typical there. I, I've talked to people who have been through this and it, it, a lot of it depends on their age and stuff too. If they can only relate it to Humpty Dumpty, they don't see an alien. They see Humpty Dumpty. So a, a lot of this is kind of why for people who don't know, I'm not just an abductee. I also work with people who have had experiences. Um, you know, it's a, it's about the experience, not necessarily proving it to me. Right. Mike, elaborate on that a little bit. You mentioned a teaching atmosphere in that nine months, eight months. Like you're referring to almost like a mystery school, like you're being taught 
Yeah, so I was I can't say daily, but probably at least a couple times a week. Um in the beginning it was always two male or this is my perception. I perceive them to be males. Um figures, a uh, female figure that kind of usually hung out in the corner and kind of paced a little bit and a small child male that kind of sat by the uh head of my bed. And this went on for, like I said, nine months. And the two males were very keen on teaching. I don't remember a lot of the lessons or what they were teaching me, but they're very focused, very militaristic, not in aggressiveness, but in just structure that I needed to learn these things where the female was, you know, more caring. For a long time, I couldn't actually see them. I saw them as wisps of like smoke, almost like we'd call shadow people. They would come in through the window as a ball of light and then kind of evolve into these shadows of smoke. The last time I saw them, I was above my house looking down at the back stairs. My room was off a laundry room that you know it had a door to the outside we never used that had like two rickety stairs and i'm looking down at these stairs and i don't know what's going on and so i kind of you know turn my head to see what get my bearings and i see blood against this white cloth and then i realize that the blood's coming from my nose and this cloth is a garment that i associated this female being just energy wise carrying me down i don't remember how we got through the actual physical building back into my room but when we got back into my room i could actually see these beings for the first time and like i said before it's very they were always in control they were very in charge of everything they knew the next move before i did and this was the first time i ever saw them panicked they they're almost frantic like I, my perception is they intercepted in something that was closer to an abduction than, you know, what they were doing, it, which is a problem I have going into this that a lot of people don't is they always say, you know, we have this holy they, it's us against them, like they are bad or they are good. And I don't think it's that simple. So maybe once you're targeted, for lack of a better word, in any sort of way with these with one group of beings, then maybe it, it opens a kind of Pandora's box and, and other ones can get to you. And maybe those certain ones were protecting you from ones who maybe had a more something yeah, benevolent I, in mind. I do you kind of believe once you're on the radar, you're on the radar. Yeah, right? That's, that's common. Like you describing that you've seen other weird creatures and stuff. I've heard that from abductees before, and they're always reticent to admit that because it sounds preposterous you know like yes we can go with you're on a craft you describe the aliens but then you start describing kind of these otherworldly kind of star wars type creatures with appendages coming out of weird things and weird little gnome type creatures and i think people tend to then dismiss that that abductee but it sounds like you've seen a wide variety has there been one group that you've had constant contact with that you feel a connection to that you know that you continue to be in touch with uh Taller whites. I, the Nordics. I don't right? really have a name for them. Well, no, they they look very oh, much great. like rays. Okay, the big, okay. The big almond eyes, but they're you know a little taller than the rest of them, and you know paler in color, and they seem to have a little bit sweet of demeanor. I mean, I know 
we're not supposed to, they're supposed to be monsters. We're not supposed to feel emotions about them, but right. no, I, those, I actually do have, I have like a family connection to them. I actually, as much as it was scary and terrifying on the onset and even, you know, when you haven't encountered the, it's still very traumatic. Your body shakes. It doesn't know how to handle it, but I do feel there's love there, which is really hard to get through to some people. And have you been on their craft? Yes. Could you describe that, please? I don't have a lot of memories on craft. Most of it is, uh, it sounds, you know, stereotypical, but for the most part, my memories are being in a very bright light, but the light is not bright. Everything's well lit, but mm. it's not blinding. And that's, it's really hard to explain because. Like, like the Matrix, like white all around kind of thing, or. Yeah, because it, it's so bright, but it's not blinding. Like, it's, the, like the Seattle look. Seahawks neon uniforms they're wearing tonight on <laughs> Thursday Night Football? No, Monday Night Football? <laughs> and then everything's just kind of almost, you know, we can't even design a chair right to be ergonomical. Mm. And, like, it's almost the opposite. Like, everything is right where it's supposed to be. Everything is, I hate to use the word perfect, you know, but it, everything is so well designed. Everything is. Did it feel alive? That, like I've always heard that kind of description, like being the craft. It was almost that itself, it was, it's, like, the ship itself was almost biological, an entity in itself. Yeah, I, it, it does feel that way. Wow. And I mean, I can't talk from. I, I mean, I can talk a little bit from personal yeah. experience, but you know, just from other accounts and stuff. You know, it, it there's some part of it that is biological and they've melded that with non-biological mm. not i think only with their ships but with some of their beings i mean there's a lot of talk out there that the grays might not actually right they're mechanical be. and so one of the if you go back to the where i was in that learning environment in my bedroom i was for the most part never allowed off the bed um, and one instance I was allowed to get off the bed and sit on the floor with the child and we didn't use the words like with our mouths. So I just kind of looked at him and had the thought Telepathy. and I'm like, what are you? And he beamed this image of Rosie, the robot into my head well, and I Jetsons? started laughing. Yes. <gasps> and I started laughing cause I thought it was a joke, but you know, here we are 30 years down the road. I'm like, Oh, what if he actually meant that, you know? Right. A robot. That it's not a biological creature, but a AI, some kind of artificial intelligence. But, yeah, I mean. Wow. And that's how you it, communicate it, with them, Mike, uh, through through telepathy? Do they ever speak, like, in, in the way we speak, or no? No. N I've never, in any of my encounters, heard actual physical words. It's always been... You know what they're telling you, and yeah. they know what you're thinking, type thing. And and what do you think they're trying to tell you? Like, why you? What do they want you to know? Do you think? You know, usually it's basic commands, like, "All right, this this is what we need you to do today. This is what you know needs to happen at the moment." But in a bigger sense, it. Like, you'll understand when the time's right, which is the most frustrating thing in the world. Like, well, when's the time going to be right? <laughs> hmm.
Do you think that has something to do with disclosure? And then you're, I mean, you could, I would love to hear you talk also with that about your organization, Granite Sky, and if you can talk a little bit about that as well. But do you feel like that has something to do with the timing with disclosure movement or something along those lines that we're going to see something on the I, grander I, scale? I don't. I think it's more individualized. I mm -hmm. think it's, you know, when you tell you know, uh, your child, your spouse's birthday present, inspect them not to go blabbing it. I, I think it's closer to that. It's not about disclosure. It's more about we're not ready to actually handle. We, you know, th we have this problem as humans of this top-down system of thinking where we think we're the top of the food chain, the top of the intellectual right. chain. And I think we you know, we really can't handle the truth at this point. It's not even we can't handle. I don't even think we can understand it. I don't mm -hmm. think we can grasp it. Um, so I think that's why, you know, there is some hidden, you know, I've, I've talked with a lot of abductees and experiencers and, and that's part of Grand Sky. And I'll get to that in just a second, but mm -hmm. you know, we, I'm no more an expert than the next guy. I just, you know, I don't have a degree on my wall. I got a pair of muddy boots because I walk through it. Um, but, you know, so I learned from everybody else as well. Somebody, you know, said to me, they're like, if they were really that evil, why would they try to hide these memories? They're, they don't want you to know right now. Mm. You know, and I, I kind of took that to heart. And that and that's something we, we don't look at, cause especially people who aren't involved in it and only know what they know about it from, like, the Hollywood movies right. and these things. I mean, there's so much. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty to be terrified about, but. Well, yeah, you you, you mentioned, uh, I want to talk about your implants in a second, um, because that I think could scare some people. But you did mention earlier, you have had some kind of negative experiences. Could you tell us about one of those? Yeah. I mean, until you get, even once you get to an understanding of it, I've talked to people who, have had nothing but positive experiences, but on the onset, they, their body doesn't know what to do. I think this has more to do with, you know, a frequency vibration type thing that your physical body can't even handle it. That's why you become paralyzed, you know, and fear struck and, and a lot of the negative stuff, I think is a misunderstanding too. I mean, we track animals, we tag them, weigh them do that to save them help them they the animal has no idea and i think again like i was saying the top down system we forget we're the animal in this wow that's a scary analogy you know and and talk about the tagging the the implants you 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 have implants in you do you remember them doing that and and has that been tested and how did you know i don't remember i don't i i know a lot of people with them i I have a couple bumps in my leg. I can't explain. Um, I haven't had them tested because it's, you know, expensive enough to go in and get what you do need done with, you know, medical stuff the way it is nowadays. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, if I flex my leg the right way, I can, I have something in there, you know, that I can kind of trace out with a magnet or feel that it shouldn't be there. But I, I never really paid too much attention to it. I don't have a recall of when it went in. I've always been a rough and tumble kid. You know, somebody's like, oh, you're bleeding. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. I, you know, I I never paid attention to that. Tell you what, whatever's, whatever's in there messes with Zencaster. Oh, well, I was just going to say, <laughs> it seems to be 
you know, connected to the interference, the things that you happen happening with uh, electrical, you know, interferences and things like that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people go with the theory that the trackers, um, I don't. I personally believe they're more for vitals. I, I think they find you through, like, energy signatures. And yeah. I've talked to other people who believe the same thing. Like, if they wanted to find a, a certain cricket in the field, they could just by energy. And I I think we're all connected. I, You know, a lot of people don't want to hear that. But I really think, you know, we're an extension of them. They're an extension of us. However you want to look at it. We are all connected somehow. We are, absolutely. Talk, talk a little bit about Granite Sky and how did that come to be? Like, were you kind of, was that part of the, the mystery school in the sense that you feel like you're getting trained to help others kind of go through this and explain the whole process? If you could walk us through that, it'd be great. Yeah, so, well, before it was Granite Sky, I started with Seco Saucers, um, and I had two other associates with me, and, you know, it was really to bring about awareness about the subject that this is happening to people that, you know, that it's real. And the, the, it was really good at start. We had, you know, different backgrounds, different perspectives, and that's what made us really strong because we could connect with a lot of people. But as we went further on, you know, it was becoming more about, a name almost, you know, sure. we, we had to be there. We weren't, we weren't doing what I thought we should be doing. We're there more because it was like, Oh, you guys are the UFO guys. You should be here. You know? So I backed out of that and said, no, I'm going to reboot and, you know, focus more on the experiences, which to me was what, you know, social saucer, uh, sauce was always supposed to be. And that's really what, I've been about, um, and, but part of that is not so much because of those experiences. I think anything I taught, I think that's just part of being human. If you see somebody struggling with something that you have knowledge or experience on is you, I don't see how you're not obligated to just help somebody out. And so your organization uh, is for abductees to share and, and, you know, have like-minded people to get together. Yeah, abductees, experiencers. I I like the word experiencers because abductee has a negative Negative connotation. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely people who believe in that word and, you know, believe their experience are. But there's also people who have had beautiful experiences who still have nobody to talk to about this stuff. Mm. So when you kind of blend them all together, especially with no... Uh, viewpoint or what's right what's wrong and you can show kind of both sides to everybody it kind of helps mellow out the playing field Mm. you know the people who've only had good see well there can be some non-good stuff people who've only had non-good stuff can see that well maybe there is some good to this there is a you know light at the end of the table but at the end of the day just getting these people together and having them talk even when they're not talking about ufo stuff or alien stuff there is some connection. They all bond. They all respond to something within each other, which I have found to be the most amazing part because these are people who have felt alone their whole lives, like rejects, like something's wrong with them who are finally found other people who were like, oh, wait, you're the same as me. And just that simple fact alone lets them to begin to have 
normal lives or semi-normal lives. Right. Does this continue for you to this day? Do you still have contact with these alien um, beings? Yeah, it, it's become less dramatic, I guess you could say, to a point in my actual memories of it um, and visitations. Um, I kind of dumbed myself down to it. I know when to fall asleep now. It's maybe I didn't when I was a kid, but yeah, even over the summer, um, we had stuff showing up, lights shining through the tent when we were in remote sites. There shouldn't have been anybody around us. Um, back here at the house, just lights showing up in the sky that shouldn't be anything coming up to the windows and stuff. And this is, you know, the other part of it is, um, I have children from a previous marriage. They've both seen UFOs. Hmm. Um, now I'm in a new relationship. She's a little more open to it because of the work she does. She's also, you know, in not necessarily UFOs, but within the, uh, spiritual field. But now, you know, I have the fear of bringing this on to her kids. She's had experiences with me. So even as much as you think, you know, you, you come to your own terms, like, all right, maybe this isn't negative, but you, you also feel like a curse, like you're a parasite, you know, bringing this on to other people. You're going right. to infect other people's lives with this. And when that's yeah. your kids, that is a lot to bear. Right. Yeah. Like ruin their podcast recording with your crazy <laughs> alien connections. <laughs> uh, Mike, this is awesome. Man. I, I could talk to you all night, um, but we, we appreciate your honesty and your openness with coming forward i mean i I know it's unbelievable it's hard and um we just support you any any final words to anyone out there who might be listening who feels like they're abducted or or have had experienced and and don't know where to turn yeah i mean absolutely feel free to contact me uh org. but if you don't feel comfortable with me talk to somebody find somebody there's you know there's a couple big national groups and don't really waste your time they're looking for numbers for sightings they don't want to talk to abductees and if they do they just want to use you to you know make a movie and make money for them they don't really you know show too much love for you find a small local group find somebody you're comfortable with find you know it's about the human connection not you need to get your story out in a way that you feel like you're doing something to help yourself and help somebody else it's not about becoming famous or you know making a movie out of it or anything like that right wow well mike thank you man thank you brother and um stay in touch and if anything happens that we need to know about please let us know we'll be happy to have you back on all right sounds good thank you both thanks mike ah another fucking pickup god damn oh shit we're recording Want to go deeper into the mystery? Get the book Monsterland, Encounters with UFOs, Bigfoot, and Orange Orbs by Ronnie LeBlanc. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere fine books are sold. Wow. I mean, a lifetime of, of con- contact. And um, just want to thank Mike again for coming on. Yeah, it's an incredible story. Unbelievable. And, and we'll stay in touch with him. And I think if abduction things kind of come up 
in the news, um, we've got our go-to expert we'll, we'll go to from time to time because he's local and he's experienced this and he yep. works with abductees all the time. And so. he's in a hot spot right up in Exeter. Uh, Exeter UFO Festival and that whole area has a long, long-ass history. I loved UFO. what he said about – I thought that, it was great. Um, that's an important distinction, I think. He said, don't go for one of those national things. Not that there's anything mm. wrong with that, but just from a human level, it is smart to, if you feel like you've been through something like this, to be able to have people that you can actually talk to. Well, in your own community, you'd right. be talking to somebody that might have had, you know, they're miles away, that they're in that same situation, that right. in the same area, as opposed to someone outside of the state, right. things like that. It's so like I always sense. tell you, Ronnie, you should go to a local AA chapter. Yeah. What? <laughs> if I can only find it, my GPS. All right. So, <laughs> thank you uh, to Mike. Unbelievable. And um, yeah, like I said, Mike we'll, we'll stay in touch. Yeah. Um, so uh, we always talk about disclosure on the show, and mm. literally, I think I think now it's just during the run of this podcast, it's just happened. Like it's full on. Now. It's, it's like it's, they're it's, literally giving us content. Yeah. So NASA now has come out with this story, and they're basically saying, "Oh, now the story is that they're saying alien life has probably visited the planet at some point, right? right? Yes. And literally, uh. What a year ago, less than a year ago, when we started this thing, we would be having discussions saying, "NASA knows more than they're saying." We know it, but it was just our conjecture. It was right. just us believing that to be true. Now NASA's coming out in the news, or at least someone in NASA, and using the word "alien," right, yeah. and saying that, uh, "Yeah, probably it's happened." So I mean, this is this is another one of those things. It's just happening while the world goes on, and no one is. And here's the thing: this paying is, attention to this it. particular article is on NBC News, so we're talking mainstream now. This isn't. Uh, some random little blog somewhere that, that right. is, you know, and the article is actually written by Seth Showstack, who is and was, I believe he still is, uh, running SETI. He's the head guy at SETI, which is the Search for Extraterrestrial yeah, Intelligence. And so he talks about um, a particular uh, scientist that came out. His name is Silvano Colombano, mm-hmm. and he's a computer expert. He's a roboticist at NASA's Ames Research Center. And um, he was a presenter at the conference about different approaches, new approaches to the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And he believes that, you know, we need to start utilizing the computational power that we have with supercomputers and analyzing these UFO sightings. He believes there's a nugget of a golden nugget there that we can learn from. And if we're not going to start looking for the where the answers are, we're never going to find them. So we have to start kind of taking our technology and putting it to use to help discover and learn more about this mystery. Taking all the data, basically, yes. and all yes. the sightings, mm-hmm. and using some sort of computer program to find some common com- commonality yeah, parallels, or something. What, what, you know, what is, there must be some kind of main connection to all of them that will help us learn more right. about what's going on. Let's do on. a quick laundry list of what's freaking happened in the last uh, 10 months to 12 months. Right? Video given to us by the government to the New York Times and mm-hmm. other major news outlets of actual video of a military craft being hounded by a UFO. Right? What else? Uh, we've sent stuff to Mars, rovers to Mars, and there was just a story the other day about finding some sort of gold-looking yeah. anomaly right. on yeah. Mars. So mm-hmm. we're talking Mars. NASA wants to go back to Mars. Now NASA is saying uh, there's probably been alien life here. Amuamua. Uh Space Force, Trump suddenly comes out of nowhere and says that Space Force is not only necessary, but space is going to be a 
method by which we need to defend ourselves, just like the Air Force, equal but separate. Equal right. but separate Space Force. Why? They, <laughs> you know, he, they why know something, sudden? right, to create 100%, this whole division. 100%. This whole other... uh, uh, Tom DeLong and his people um, doing what they're doing, saying that they've got more proof coming soon. Um, what else do we have? Elon Musk saying he's going to live on Mars by the, when did he say, by the time he was 60 or something right. like that, he's going to be living he's, he's on going Mars. There. I mean, it's just coming and coming and really fast since it's funny. Like since we started this thing. Yeah. The we're timing like, is unbelievable. And the earth rang. Don't forget the earth rang. The oh, earth yeah. rang. The like earth rang. Musical. Oh, don't. All right. That gets us to our okay. next sound. That gets us to our next sound. The earth rang like a musical tone. Mm. And just and, and last week, yes. I sprained my, I don't know if you guys knew this, I literally sprained my shoulder from patting myself on the back wow. for saying that wow. uh, that Steven Spielberg someday, through Close Encounters, <clears throat> when things like, I was using that as an example, because right. we know that Hollywood directors have been given, we know this, they've been given information from the powers that be about secrets, about UFO secrets, um, managing magic, that wonderful book. Uh, who wrote that? Was that Weatherly? Grant, Grant Cameron. Grant Cameron. I'm sorry. I confused my author. Grant Cameron's book, Managing, Mag- uh, Managing Magic, he literally describes and gives examples of Hollywood people getting secret information right. about the UFO and, and actually given actual footage from the government, like the Tic Tac UFO that we've seen recently, given it to Hollywood director types so that, again, the theory being, after years and years and years and years of the public seeing these things, when disclosure finally slowly kind of just comes out as it seems to be right now. And the example I used was if we indeed do say use musical tones to connect with these people, when we find that out to be true, we won't be as shocked or as blown away because we've seen it in our subconscious in movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Well, let's just skip to (laughs) clip four, David. Let's just skip to clip four. You're on fire tonight, Maddie. On fire. (laughs) Here is a, I'll tell you who this is. This is a former retired military pilot. His name is Commander Graham Bethune, a retired Navy commander pilot with top secret clearance. This is on this, um, you know, I found this, you know, like Stephen Greer, that guy who's controversial, but serious disclosure. But what's compelling, I don't want to get into him and that whole fight about if Mm -hmm. he's he's the most jacked believer in the Uh, world besides yourself. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he does on his on on the YouTube. There's a bunch of really compelling interviews oh, with yeah. military guys, and this is one of them. Here is um, retired Commander Graham Bethune. I think the key thing to take out of this is that I was right. Oh, something happened <laughs> to the radar report before the microphone because what I have on the microphone, I got from the archives. I was told by a friend of mine there that I'd known for years that they had allowed Steven Spielberg. To microphone oh. this, the Blue Book Records for whatever close encounter the third kind or something Good of this Lord. nature. So he had a pretty high clearance. He had to be self-associated with some of the. Well, now, no. Ronnie, <laughs> you know I'm not one to say I told you so, <laughs> but I told you so. <laughs> oh, I felt good. Good old that. I stood up alone. I was like in my. I was like stood up. See. Now, this guy, Graham, had an unbelievable encounter. Uh, This came from a leaked... I don't even think it was leaked. It's a CIA document that... that, The Freedom of Information Yes, the KGB actually shot down something up in Antarctica. 
and that led me down the, when I was looking at that story, I started going down the rabbit hole of, I, I actually looked up, I Googled like um, Northern Antarctica, Northern Atlantic sightings. Mm. And this guy came up. Can we go now back, David? I'm sorry to clip two. This is that same guy, Graham. It was more important to me to prove that I was correct than to solve the UFO. Right. Of course. Again, that's what we got to take I out. I saw something episode. below the horizon. This is him describing his encounter. On the water that looked like approaching a city at night. It was just kind of an ambient light, no definition whatsoever, but the same thing that you would see if you were approaching a large city at night. And it was very large. I mean, just, I, was, it's, I couldn't estimate the size of it. So I sent the... It's unbelievable. Couldn't mm. estimate the size of it. Then he goes on to say that this thing goes again, which we've heard a million times, it goes 10,000 feet in like a split second. Right. Shoot straight up. Shoot straight up. Off. And then he describes actually seeing it. So if you're thinking like, oh, we saw lights that look like a city, that could be anything, right? Yeah. But no, 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 no. This was a legit sighting. They said this thing was going like uh, 1,800 miles an hour Whoa. on the radar. And this is him describing. Now, there's a trained pilot commander. And listen to how he describes the actual craft, which, by the way, he just said he couldn't estimate how big this thing was. Whoa. Listen to this. And, and all of a sudden, we saw on the water a yellow halo that was very, very small about 15 miles away. And it came up to 10,000 feet like that, that a fraction of a second. And I thought it was going to go right through us. And I disengaged the autopilot, push your nose over, because I was going to go under it at the angle it was coming toward me. Mm. So what happened, the minute that I did that, it was up at our altitude, and I could see nothing outside of the cockpit but this craft. And, and, uh, and uh, so I didn't know which way to go. And then all of a sudden, I heard a racket. I didn't know what it was. I said, Fred, what the hell was that? He, he looked around, he says, oh, he said, everyone was ducking in the back of us and they collided and they're all laying on the deck, deck back there scrambling on the deck. So when I looked back, it wasn't there. And he says, it's over here on the right-hand side. Now, it was about a, a mile or so away on the right-hand side and it kind of drifted forward maybe to a position maybe five miles away and that's where it stayed with us for quite some time. This is when we could first see, it wasn't above our our altitude, it was below our altitude, but it was still above the horizon where you could see the side of the craft, you could see the dome, and you could see the color around the, the, the perimeter of the craft. He's the describing dome, a craft. This isn't a, it's a flying This isn't an anomalous around. thing. He's seeing a dome, and he goes on to describe the specifics of this thing. I mean, this is, and you've got trained guys diving on the ground. Right. These are fighter pilots. 10,000 feet in, a, in, a, in seconds like that, we don't have anything nope. that can do that. And that's, and that's we go like back to last week, right, where you're saying, we, we talk about people, well, maybe it was a bear that you saw. Like, mm -hmm. no, we, mm -hmm. people, and pilots are trained. They know what, that's not a freaking plane. Mm -hmm. That's something that's called a UFO, you know? So, I mean, another, and again, these things, like when you're a detective and you're looking for, when you're solving a crime, you're looking for patterns, right? Right. We keep hearing the same things from all these witnesses. We were just saying last week again about the rapid uh, escalation of mm. these things, going going 10,000 feet in a second, in a split second. Pilots know what things can do. Right. And again, he wasn't describing a hazy ball of light. He goes on to describe a craft with a dome and the shape of it, and they all saw it. And in fact, he goes on to say later in the video, like, the guy he was with says, don't report this. Or, he, no, he says to the guy, don't report this. And the guy goes, I already did. Like, I, I immediately <laughs> called and he's like, look, we got a freaking craft up here and it's doing all kinds of weird stuff and it's huge. So it, it's great. This whole thing, going down this rabbit hole mm. of these witnesses, 
uh, made me think of a new game I want to play. And oh. it's based on something producer David said last week. Sweet. So as you go often through these pieces of audio, no matter wh- whoever it may be, military, experiencers, newscast, uh, I'm always with them to a certain point, and then sometimes it just goes in a direction like, whoa. So I thought we could play a new game based on something that David said last week called... Boy, that escalated quickly. <laughs> All right, so our inaugural first ever edition of... That escalated quickly. <laughs> Ronnie, I want you to use your skills. Okay. You've heard so many of these encounters and witness testimonies. So I want to see if you can guess what happens next. Okay. That's just the basic. All right, fun. Of the game. Okay. All right. So our, our, our first contestant ever is this guy named George Filer, I think his name is. And I'll, I'll let him introduce himself. How about that? I was a navigator in various aircraft, a tanker and... Transport aircraft uh, flew last in C-141s at McGuire Air Force Base. I was also an intelligence officer most of my career as my uh, desk job, so to speak. And I, in that period, frequently, you know, briefed generals and congressmen on uh, our capabilities and the threat to our forces. Well, I was uh... okay. So he's he's got the street creds. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a whack job. He worked in the government. He advised the highest people at the highest level. A little boring, DOD or something. But he's like yeah. That, yeah. So he's 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 legit. All right. Now here's his tale. And this particular morning, when I went into the command post, I was met by the head of the command post, and he said, "It's been a very exciting evening that we've had UFOs in the." you know, over the McGuire all night, and that one had uh, apparently landed or possibly crashed at uh, Fort Dix. Now, Ronnie, uh, how uh, does this escalate quickly? Do you want multiple choices or do you just want a cold guess? I'm going to say this is Gordon Cooper, the astronaut, and talking about a, a UFO landing at a... So he's basically saying that somehow there was some sort of crash... Yeah, of a of a, an object, and it sounds like almost like a Roswell type situation mm. at an Air Force base. Mm-hmm. Play, play it again, David. I want to hear it again too. Play it again. And this particular morning, when I went into the command post, I was met by the head of the command post, and he said, "It's been a very exciting evening that we've had UFOs in the, you know, over the McGuire all night, and that one had uh, apparently landed." Or possibly crashed at uh, Fort Dix. Fort Dix, a possible crash. Ronnie, how does this escalate quickly? You've heard it. Sounds like a credible report from a credible witness. Possible crash. Mm-hmm. Fort Dix. Mm-hmm. What happens next? How does it escalate quickly? It has something to do with Dix. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, can I guess? It's the Jews. It's the, the Jews. Jews You're right. You got it. It was the it was a Jewish what? cabal. No, he bangs the aliens and then draws them. Just kidding. How does that escalate quickly? Hit it, David. Military policeman came upon the alien that he had pulled out a gun and shot them. Why? What? And I said, you know, uh, a foreigner, like you know, an alien. I was a little bit confused by him saying alien. He says, no, an alien from outer space. He was very 
specific about the fact that an alien from outer space had been shot at Fort Dix and that it had uh, run away after being wounded and headed for McGuire. Now, McGuire and Fort Dix just have a fence between them. And uh, this alien supposedly climbed the fence or went under it or whatever and got to McGuire and died out on the end of the runway. All right, so we wow. go from cute crash to Dix. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and the MP pulls out his weapon and just shoots shoots the thing, and the thing dies by a fence like the end of heat. <laughs> so sad. But I was thinking, uh, you know, it's funny. How do you react? Because you and I believe these things are real. Yeah. I mean, but you we think about it and we talk about it, but you're an MP on a base and a frickin' alien's walking uh, towards you. You probably your first reaction probably would be blast. Right. You know, like you start pulling the I trigger. I mean, how frightened <clears throat> yeah. would you be? Oh yeah. And I love how he thought it was like alien, like a guy climbed over the wall from Mexico. Yes, He's like, no, 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 no. Outer space alien. <laughs> oh, then I'm shooting. In either case, I'm shooting. <laughs> oh my god. Just kidding. That's right. Uh, build a wall. We're going to build a space wall. <laughs> space wall. So, yeah, that's uh, how it escalated quickly, Ron. Wow. As these things are apt didn't, to do. Didn't see that coming. No, you didn't. But, all right, so you're over one. We'll see if you can do better next week. Oh, God. All right. Thanks. Let me take a minute to talk about the Boston Podcast Network with Ronnie here. Uh, just a few years ago, Ronnie, podcasting was on the fringe of the media world. We all know that. Mm. Now, there are more than half a million active podcasts. We're on the verge of an information revolution. Uh, working with pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network allows you and your business to be part of it. Pod 617 can produce your show soup to nuts with their professional producers like Kerry here, David in the back, yes. Ian the man at Media Boss, dynamic on-air hosts like us, mm -hmm. radio quality equipment that you can see right here. They produce my show and I couldn't be happier. Right, Ronnie? Oh, the best. These people are the best. Working with the Boston Podcast Network means becoming part of a community, allowing you to share in our success as you become part of a professionally marketed platform. Contact Pod 617 to start planning. In the meantime, listen, learn, and binge. Whether you're into music, sports, comedy, business, politics, or the unexplained you'll find something here for you. Visit pod617.com in Pod We Trust. You know, one thing I just wanted to highlight was uh, Mike Stevens mentioned during his one of his encounters, he asked them through telepathy, one of the aliens during one of these sessions of school or abduction experiences, you know, what are you? Mm. And the alien sent the image of Rosie, the robot from the Jetsons, and he brought that up thinking like you know i wonder if she if that if it really meant we are a robot right and i find what's interesting is that article um from about nasa that we need to be more aggressive about uh aliens and that they probably have been here but the fact that silvano colombano who is the scientist from from nasa said that if there are an alien species that would come, they wouldn't be a carbon-based life form. They would know that that has a lifespan that could not survive, say, the the travel to the solar system or what have you, that they would be some kind of AI or robot. That and is thought always, That was crazy. Well, yeah, and that fits into, yeah, isn't that amazing? Like, oh, oh, now, how many people would tend to laugh off Mike when he tells that story? Like, oh, a Jetsons robot image. Oh, oh. Right. But now, all of a sudden, 
a very credible scientist is saying that that actually is this, probably true. It's part of his paper. Absolutely. That, yeah. Something that made sense to me always was when people in my earlier readings on this topic, I remember way back in the day reading about Roswell and stuff, and many, uh, some scientists believed or had the theory that the greys were biological yeah. robots, basically. Right, they said um, they were cold and they yes. were just, like, they had no emotion. Because you couldn't send, like, think about it, if we were going to send humans beyond Mars and we know they couldn't make the journey, right? If we could send a semi-intelligent flesh robot, that's basically like a bio robot, right? Across those distances, that could do tasks for us, but not actually have a soul, mm-hmm. if you will, not actually have a real life. That makes complete sense to me, right? That's also chilling AF, so as the creepy. kids would say. Oh my god! Yeah. All right, we move on. Yes, Maddie and Ronnie. Oh yes, producer we- David. Yes, I am. I am proud to contribute to the show in this fashion with a mm. new feature that we are going to call Monster Media. I yes. love it. Right. I love it. Monster Ooh. Media. Two new features tonight. Two new features wow. in one podcast. We're innovative. That's right. So what I've done here, gentlemen, is prepared three clips from films that deal with some aspect of the paranormal. Ooh. Each one of them, for this edition, each one of them is a film based on true events. So not documentary. Love it. Uh, film. Yeah, uh, like scripted based, film, but based on real events. Okay. You got it. So, so you, this 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 feature is kind of like like Amityville Param- Horror, for example. Perfect. And and this feature is. Did I just of, steal one of the spoiler things? alert? Oh my god! All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Leave that. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe. <laughs> well, you, we'll use that as the example. Right. All right. Or Here's gremlins. The example. <laughs> or gremlins. <laughs> Stop guessing. Gremlins Sorry. was based on a true story. Yeah. It reminds me when. Bobcat Goldthwait had the talking horse movie, uh, and he said it's based on a true story. Okay, actually, that's um, true. In World War Two, people reported "quote unquote" horses. gremlins. No, they, they, it, it's based in possibly real folklore. Uh, people reporting little gnome-like mm. demonic creatures messing with engines and kind of almost like analogous to Foo Fighters, if you right. will, in the sky. But the gremlins were. Uh, that's where the word gremlin came from. Uh-huh. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So your job is simply to okay. name the the movie. Okay. Ronnie has removed some mystery from this task. Just a little <laughs> bit. He wouldn't even fucking guess on the other one. He's well, blowing the leaves s- on the other one. <laughs> I was drawing a blank. The irony. Uh, simply name the movie when you know it, and then give your expert opinion on whether there's some truth to this thing, whether okay. it's true to the real story or whatnot. Here's clip number one. Love it. I'm coming apart! Oh, mother of God, I'm coming apart! George! George! What happened? I was just dreaming. I'm sorry if I woke you. Okay. I remember that scene. Oh, that's tough. That's, uh, that is Amityville Horror you're talking about, but that, oh, what was that actor, Brolin, right? Is that Brolin? James Brolin? You know what I? I think it is. I think don't it's. Don't have all the info on. I think no. I think it's um. <laughs> James Brolin. No, the elder Brolin. Brolin, uh, who's married to James Barbara Streisand. Uh, Barbara Streisand. Yeah, yeah I think James, he plays. I think you might be right. Yeah, he plays George Lutz, and and I remember that scene. He's like he's grabbing his hair. He had like the black yeah, beard and the long legs. I'm coming apart. Oh, wow. And you know who the actress who plays the wife who runs down? Did you heard in that clip? Uh, oh my God. Let me. Give I you, know who it is. Let me give you. I ahead. know who it is. Go for it. It was. Uh, I can see your face, Superman. So, uh, Lois Lane. Lois yes. Lane. Um, 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 Actress's name is. She just passed away recently, right? What was her name? Yes. Um, 
Margot Kidder. There you go. Wow. Maddie Blake. Very, very good. All right, so I love this game. This is paranormal okay. popping up in pop culture, basically, and I love this. All right. Um, so, yeah, Amityville Horror is an incredibly chilling story. I haven't seen that in so long. Like, I don't remember the movie, but he, I remember the, you know, like the story and all that. As a kid, it was just like, I, I, could, I could see the image of the house yes. and all that. Yeah. Now, here's a weird connection to that movie. It's just slight, but it's kind of... I'm one degree from Amityville Horror because... Steven Spielberg? Or two degrees or whatever. Yes, because Steven Spielberg... Uh, no. Uh, my agent, Tony Burton, super agent Tony Burton of Buckwald, um, his former assistant literally lived in the house next to the Amityville Horror house. Yeah. And wow. she showed me pictures on her phone of it. Yeah, and I remember like being, I was asking her about it. She's like, oh, yeah, no, it's people wow. live there now. And they fix, they've actually changed the iconic windows. This is on Long Island, right? Matt? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I was going to say New York. Right? And her yeah. father was a, was a cop in New York, I think. And and uh, and, and she showed me, like, they, they, they've they changed those iconic, you know, the kind of uh, creepy-looking windows, yeah, almost looks like a face eyes, around. The, yeah, they've yep. changed that. It doesn't look like that uh. anymore. Um, it's slightly different so that it doesn't, so people won't, because people will come and just take pictures there all the time and stuff. And it, it's gonna so, be annoying, um, but there's a, yeah. that's a great case because well, it's not a great case. People were brutalized, but it's 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 a fascinating case because Lutz killed his family in that house, and there was all kinds of tales of possible demonic possession mm. activity, and then. You know, the new family moves in. Uh, Matt, uh, yeah. Lutz was the new family, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, that and wasn't I'm the killer. Che- uh, DeFeo, DeFeo, yeah, right? DeFeo, you yes, got it. Yes, yes, DeFeo yeah. kill. I'm sorry. Lutz was the family that came in and reported, the, and the movie was based on them. Um, James Brolin. By the way, the most horrific thing of that whole thing is that he married Barbara Streisand. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would like to revisit that movie. I mean, terrifying. Yeah, I, I, I wonder I if would. it holds up, though. Yeah, I don't think it does. But a... a, a <laughs> Uh, a horrific um, thing to think about that, and something I believe can be true, that a place can have residual energy, especially when oh, yeah. you add the demonic element, if there was any sort of... Death or suicide. Or, or, or I was yeah. going to say even kind of like, you know, if you dabble in... Satanism. Occult, yes, Satanism, things like portal. that. Those are powerfully dark yeah. forces, and they can hang around, and they yeah. can possess people, and they can get in people's minds and attack your spirit. I truly right. believe that. Oh, yeah. So... Um, you know, it's it's a great, great piece of pop culture. Want to go to clip number two? Let's do, Let's it. do it. Here we go. Tell me your name. He who commands you is he who orders you thrown down from the highest heaven into the depths of hell. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I now command you. Tell me your name. I expect Here, therefore, and fear, Satan, enemy of the faith. Give me your name, demon. Was that enough? Or I believe <laughs> that I to exorcist? be exorcist. Right. I believe that to be exorcism of Emily Rose. Ooh, Maddie Blake. Oh wow! Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm that's not the exorcist. That's the film. If you go back to season one of Monsterland, right? Yeah, you yep. talked about it. And yeah, we, brought... that was the movie I was attacked by um, black-eyed children, possibly, or right, at least the trickster theater. demons or yeah. jinn or something. Um, and that movie chilled me to the core because it's based on a true story. A girl really died. Um, I think she was in the movie. She was like a 19 year old American, but I think it's based on, is it based on another, a foreign case or was it an American? Oh, she wasn't American. I 
Emily Rose was uh, 19 years old, died of self-inflicted wounds and malnutrition following an attempted exorcism. Now, see, people will say, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists and, th- and people who are secular and don't believe in this stuff say that's absolute abuse. She had a mental problem. Mm. But the thing they discount, Ronnie, is that, you know, oftentimes in these cases, and they're not always extreme like this where the child dies. Right. But um, they've tried everything. And it's not simply described as a mental illness. It's not bipolar. It's not schizophrenia. It's not, they've tried everything and the, and the kid can display supernatural ability. They can talk languages backwards. They can do things. They can levitate. And I'm sorry, epilepsy does not explain being able to speak Aramaic when you're, you know, a teenage girl in America who's never studied anything like that and make your bed freaking float in the air. Right. Um, so another element there. Some there kind are of things spiritual... going on. Yeah, as the Bible says, there's principalities more than our flesh and blood that we can understand. You know, right. I just cocked that quote up, but you get the point. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> you just cocked hey. up that quote with a Bible quote. I should go to seminary. Wow. To, I should go to the seminary. Just to clarify, I was talking about the character in the movie based on the. the I mean, Annalise, Annalise Michelle was the actual the girl. Uh, girl. Was no, she American? She, she died in 1976. She was actually German. So I, I knew st- it. See, I, I knew corrected. she wasn't yes, American. So you got it. Uh, um, underwent Catholic exorcism rites yes. during the year before her death. She was diagnosed with epileptic psychosis. Correct. Had a, had a history of psychiatric treatment. Correct. And um, yeah, there you go. you go. She died at age 23. But I, I've mentioned this before. I knew a priest who was involved in this stuff. He's since passed on, but he was no dummy. Spoke you multiple said, languages. Said this was real. This he is real. absolutely possession said, is real. Absolutely, he goes mental illness. Mental illness is real. Also, mm-hmm. I'm a psychiatrist. He goes, but this stuff is real too. The spiritual attacks are real, and yes, they can be faked, and yes, they can be misidentified. But there is a small percentage which cannot be explained mm. by modern medicine. It can't. Chilling. Did you know that in the in this real case the Parents and two Roman Catholic priests involved in the exorcism were found guilty of negligent homicide and were sentenced to six months. That's right. In it jail. went to court, wow. and the, the film it's ends crazy. with the court case. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really uh, compelling. And again, not not all these things end up uh, with death in court cases, but right. there are absolute, <laughs> there are spiritual attacks, and I believe that fully. All right. <laughs> Clip number three. You guys ready? Okay, here we Let's go. Do it. <laughs> Love go. it. Here we go. Travis? Oh, we, we know what this is. Travis, are you okay? Travis? Travis? Travis, Travis. it's us. Hey, man. Travis, what's wrong? Hey, baby, hey Travis, Travis, it's Mike. Hey, it's your partner. You remember me? That's Robert Patrick. MT Motors. Harley. You cold, man? Take it easy, bro. Take it easy. Don't try to talk, man. Travis. I know what that is. That's me, Ronnie, and his buddy Travis outside of Bar Monsterland <laughs> last Saturday night. It was a rough night. It was fire a, in the sky. fire in the sky, baby. That's go. Robert Patrick yeah. from T T two, right? Who is the metal robot? Yes. And and uh, that's Travis what I, Walton. That he's, he's been to Monsterland. Travis has been to Monsterland a few times. He has. Yes, for the uh, uh, New England UFO conference. That's a compelling case. For those of you who don't know, uh, Travis Walton. Abductee, probably one of the most famous cases ever. Yeah. Well, well, says he was yeah. taken, and they made a movie out called Fire in the Sky. Yeah, great. Well, it's not great. He, he was great gone scenes. for five days, reappeared, you know, naked, no clothes. He was yes. with four other uh, loggers who and, all swear to this day yeah. 
that they, they saw all passed, something. Uh, lie detector test. That's too. right. Yeah. He actually failed one. Uh, one. Travis, yeah. Yeah. On a, like a game show. Oh right. Remember that? that? Yes. They they brought him on a game show and but it was all skewed and effed up. But that guy's story has never changed. That movie has one of my favorite scenes in movie history. When he there's a scene just like that where he has a flashback. And you remember, like, and maple syrup drips, like, on his oh, head. Oh, yeah, yeah. And his girlfriend's like, Travis! And the maple syrup <laughs> is so chilling. There are some great well, scenes in that movie. what's wild with his, that, that movie was in the, when he's in the craft, and he's uh, kind of, like, going through the craft, and you can see the people that are in these, like, almost cocoons from different Ooh. time errors and stuff. If you look at Betty Andreessen in, in the book of uh, The Andreessen Affair and all that stuff, she sees that same thing where people yes. are in these like glass cases yes. from different times. And I'm like, I was like, whoa, that's so crazy. Like the spinal tap pods. Yes. Yes. That they couldn't get right? out of. When David gets stuck in the. Yes. No, no, not David. Yeah. Uh, no, it was uh, uh, Derek Smalls. Derek Smalls Derek gets Smalls. stuck. Yeah. And then uh, it closes on him and he puts his arm up. And rock and roll. <laughs> was that rock and roll creation? He did oh get that God. fist up at the end. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. But, you know, <laughs> Travis actually had a lot of problems with that movie because those... Fun- the creatures, those, right? Well, the phenomenally well done. There's a lot of bad acting in that movie. It's not It's not great. But there are great scenes like yeah. that one, the maple syrup one, his flashbacks, and the torture he receives on the craft oh, yeah. is... I would put it maybe, it's funny, we do these horror lists. I never think about that, but I put that in a top 10 horror scenes. Just that scene of him on the craft where he gets the, the thing put oh, over the, his face. Yeah, like they waterboard him, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, just, I just watched that. It's like a big in, piece in of hubba bubba. It, I, couldn't, I couldn't even make it through the whole See? clip. Yeah, it's, it's super scary. It's super, yeah. But yeah. The fourth kind is another crazy Fourth kind I can't too. even talk yeah. about. I actually, when I went, during our interview tonight with Mike, I was scared when I asked him about the malevolent experiences. I thought he was yeah. going to go into a fourth kind type of thing, but thank God he didn't. That movie's terrifying. It is. But uh, Travis had a problem with that depiction because his experience in the abduction wasn't like that. He never described being like horrifically tortured like that and being so scared. He said they did do things to him medically that he felt were painful and didn't like. Invasive. Or right, yeah. but it was never like that. But the movie just, you know, sensationalized what, What's interesting is uh, Travis had told me that he hasn't been sick since that event. Are you serious? Uh, that's a long-ass time. If you think about it, he has not had a cold. He oh has not. God. He's not been sick. And he is smart as a. I, I would mean, love he, to get him on the thing. Did he ever do it? Oh yeah, he's he's really agreed, yeah he's agreed to to come on. We can probably get him on the season. Just uh, just his, okay. he's so busy and traveling all the time. Understood. But he's he's agreed several times. Oh my god. Yeah, let me know. I'm in. You know. All right, let's get Travis Walton yeah. on this podcast. So I'll work on it. Oh my god, I love For it. Sure. All right, let's uh, open some mail. If you have questions or an experience to share, please send us your monster mail now at monsterlandreport at gmail Now it's time for monster mail. We love your mail. We want more of it. Tonight, Ronnie, uh, since I earlier spent a good portion of the show, let's face it, patting myself on the back oh, for being correct. A ton. About the Steven Spielberg a thing. A ton. Which, again, I think is the thing we should take away from this episode, that I was right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I figured let's stay with that theme. Okay. About your right. Let's pat ourselves on the back as we read some reviews on iTunes that have Ooh. come in on Monsterland. So we would love your emails, monsterlandreport at gmail.com. And uh, you can also leave us comments on our Facebook. Just go to our Facebook page. Right. You can go to our Insta, whatever, Monsterland Pod, and uh, leave us 
comments, questions. We will read your mail on the podcast. But we uh, also we, we love reviews. Yeah, if you could rate and review us, that does help us on iTunes. You know how podcasts work. Everyone says that. That's how it works. So help us out if you like us. Please take five minutes, rate us, review us, and share us. Here are a few of our favorites. Uh, this is from Victim of the Fork. It's a great Ooh. name. Great podcast. And I am looking forward to listening to more episodes, especially when Ronnie and Maddie go on the road. Oh, that's coming, baby. That is coming season two. We're going to have some fun. We're going to go to some places, go to some places where there are experiencers, where things have happened, some haunted locations. It's going to be good. Um, This is from Vedic Explorer. Again, gives us the five stars. All these are five stars. Um, Thank you. Well, it's a 24-star possibility. Oh. We got five stars. Shit. <clears throat> no, it's five. Oh. Ronnie and Maddie are both entertaining and informative. This is a well-produced show. Oh, God, giving David compliments. <laughs> Covers a wide variety of topics, <laughs> including but not limited to cryptids and UFOs. This one, uh, Countess Lori, great podcast. Love the local to me connections and stories. I'm literally 20 minutes away and had no idea. The excellent interviews are giving me a lot to think about. Can't wait for season two. Well, we're in season two, yeah. Countess Lori. Meanwhile, I'll be looking up. Thanks, gentlemen. And uh, there's a couple older ones here. I love season one. Can't wait for season two. It's fascinating to hear the local stories come to life. Congratulations. Thank you. Show is only getting better. So please rate, review us means a lot. It's going to help us. iTunes keeps track of that crap, and uh, it'll only help us grow. Yes, thanks, Sue. Ronnie, unbelievable episodes. Uh, what's your takeaway from tonight? Lot, lot, in, lot in this episode. I was really fascinated with uh, Mike Stevens, uh, just hearing about him remembering something, going back to being three years old, and his yeah. cousin being with him and seeing a craft. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just like, oh, I had a dream. Like, they were... Oh, that was fascinating. And, and the, things are still happening to Mike and his uh, new girlfriend now as well, who they've had experiences together. So he's a little, and he talks a little bit about that and and the implications with the, the kids. I find that um, terrifying, but fascinating at the same time because it's, what is going on? Absolutely. Um, I think the takeaway for me tonight is that my, my new game, uh, that escalated quickly, is that, Unmitigated disaster, which we won't do again. <laughs> and David's new game, uh, Monster Media, is fantastic. It's Paranormal in the media, so I want to do that again. And also that I was right. <laughs> All right, we'll do it again next week. Oh, by yes. the by, yes. our great friend Ian Barrett at oh, Media yeah. Boss, uh, who recorded some of the uh, YouTube episodes we threw it on YouTube. He's a great oh, company, yep. Media Boss. Um, I believe... We've been able to, he, he was able to get us the sound nice. of our live, oh, well done, David, our live season two kickoff party. Here's Michael Devon, again, singing our theme live. Oh, so good. Oh, my God. So uh, we have that episode, and we're going to go through it because the... We don't know what we can the keep. Audio can't, the audio was kind of It was a right? loud crowd. So many people there. But I believe when we go on Christmas break coming up here, um, we might release that as a Christmas bonus special. Oh, that's a great idea. And you can listen to our live kickoff party. That's a great so idea. So that would be a blast. Um, all right. Until then, monsters, we will be at you next week with a brand new episode, brand new edition of Monsterland 4, producer David, the great 
Ronnie LeBlanc. I'm Maddie Blake. And remember, we ain't saying what it is. We're asking, what is it? Thank you for joining us on the Monsterland Podcast. If you or someone you know has an experience to share, or if you have questions, you can reach us at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Find us on social media at Monsterland Pod. Until we meet again in Monsterland. By the way, the most horrific thing of that whole thing is that he married Barbara Streisand. <laughs> <laughs>